and welcome back to Watch Once Never Again, the podcast um, about raw denim. Washed once, <laughs> never again. My name is Dax. My favorite Britney Spears song, I think, is Sometimes. And I am here with my esteemed co-host. <laughs> I, I've killed her. Her name is Mary Beth. <laughs> My name is Mary Beth, and my favorite Britney Spears song is Toxic. Ooh, good one. How do you feel about the remake of that in Promising Young Woman, though? I know you hate that movie, and I shouldn't have brought it up, but did you like the song, at least? I did, though. I thought that was rad as shit. I just wish it wasn't used in that movie. Honestly, that movie had such a good soundtrack in it. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton. I know. Like, it did have a really good soundtrack, and it really fit the vibe. Oh my god, we're talking about how... (laughs) Ah, um, yeah, no, it it definitely did have a good a good score. I was surprised. Yeah, a fun fact about me is I have a almost seventeen hour long um, playlist called the Perfect Pop Diva playlist, on which I have, um, I guess, collected uh, many of my favorite pop songs. No men allowed, though. Like, even if it's a band with men in it, they're not allowed, unfortunately. So, like, Blondie isn't on it very much. Like, you know. I made an exception for Paramore. That's okay. I understand. You have to. Right. I just but, made. I'm doing. I'm doing a DJ set tomorrow where my, my my theme is bisexual slumber party, but there are no men on the playlist. I literally can't tell if you're joking. I'm not. That's really cool. Literally, there is very much all sincerity to that story. <laughs> I love that. I was just going to say that Paris Hilton actually has been on there from day one. That song. And I was so excited to hear it in a movie. Now, can you tell me about, um, first of all, didn't know you DJed. This is uh, my first time ever DJing anything. Okay, work. So we're branching out new skills. Now, is this like an emo night or something? That's what I picture you. So, no, it is the launch for a new site I'm writing for that I worked with this guy in D.C. He's a really good writer. He's a really good podcast host, comedian, whatever, and he's launching a new site. And we are doing the launch parties tomorrow night. So I'm DJing for an hour and I have an I'm like one of the launching staff writers for the site. I fucking love that. I wish I lived yeah. closer. I would, right? I would definitely I go. I posted it and I was like, literally no one can come to this that I know, but I can pretend. <laughs> Just stream it. Are you streaming it? No, but now I'm going to. TikTok live, y'all. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> going live on TikTok. You know what I just, do you watch Portlandia? Like I have, but it, I'm not one of those like die hard people that knows all of this gets. Okay. I am. Um, okay. for, for better or worse, whatever that means to, because a lot of people judge that. I do not. Um, thank you. But there's um, a skit on there where everybody's a DJ, and oh. that's what I just thought of. I'll send it to you later. And I say DJ. I don't actually know what I'm doing. I I'm gonna bring my phone and my playlist and just kind of hope for the best. That's what Paris Hilton does. Cool. Great. <laughs> do, do you watch um, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? I have. I only watched the first season, though. 
do you remember when um, what's his face became a DJ and she's like, "Go, be free, dance wildly whilst holding your hands slightly above a keyboard." Yes. Something That's exactly like that. what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to be by myself at the front of the room while we're set up and just dancing and like grabbing my head. Like white, just like a white woman dancing. I love that yes. for you. Yes. So what movie are we talking about today? Is this not my hangout podcast? Sorry. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we are here to talk about a movie that is near and dear to my heart. Not super disturbing, to be honest with you. Um, but we had some behind the scenes difficulties if you will um with some of the other ones that we had lined up so we chose to do a movie that you have been meaning to watch directed by lucky mckee it's called may from 2002 it is in fact called may and i finally watched it and you loved it i sure fucking did we all knew you would we yeah, were all rooting did. for you, Tiffany. All... <laughs> everyone was rooting for me, and I did it. So proud of you. Thank you so much. Yes, um, I was too young to watch this movie um, when I first saw it. How old I, were you? It had to be when it first came out, like on oh, video. Yeah, because like I, I've mentioned several times, you know, at my cousin's sleepover little gatherings of just my older my when i say my cousin my cousin is much older than me she's like in her 50s now and um i'm 29 so she was like basically babysitting like me i have a twin sister um and my niece who is also my age because my brother was much older than me um and she she would have these sleepovers she would take us to um the local video store and we would all get to pick a movie based solely on the cover and whoever had the scariest movie won my sister um who has been a very serious person her entire life of course chose may (laughs) um great actually you know what what i think i chose may and she oh. chose the dentist and my niece chose texas chainsaw 2 she lost wow uh, that's yeah. quite a range <clears throat> that is quite the range yeah that just like hit me yeah i think i chose may which <laughs> makes a lot of sense when you watch it <laughs> yeah 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 it's a little gay it's a little gay just a little gay I definitely had, like, a sexual awakening to Anna Ferris in this movie. I texted oh, you about boy. it last night, how I wanted her to, like, stomp on my neck. Yes. Insert, like, multiple beeps here. <laughs> should, we, should we read a synopsis real quick before we get more into stomping on necks? Yes, absolutely. I'll go. I have it here. <clears throat> Ready? Yes. May Canada Dry. No. <laughs> that's my when I when I do burlesque again. That's going to be my name, and no one's going to understand it. And Only I'll just me. laugh the whole time. You and me will get it, and it'll be fucking hysterical. Such a niche joke, and I'll be at every show just cackling in the back. Good, exactly. That's what I want. Anyway, 
<laughs> so, <clears throat> May Kennedy, Kennedy is spelled very strangely, is a woman in her mid-twenties who suffered from a troubled childhood due to her lazy eye. That's a weird sentence, but <laughs> go off. <laughs> <laughs> she has very few social interactions. Her only true friend, quote-unquote, being a glass-encased doll named Susie, made by her mother and given to May for her birthday with the adage, if you can't find a friend, make one. Who says that when giving a gift? Don't worry, that comes back later, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> May works as a vet assistant. Her optometrist fixes May's lazy eye, first with glasses, then with contact lenses. May becomes friends with Adam, a local mechanic... That she stalks like they didn't. Oh yeah, add that becomes part. friends is a strong word there. Uh, follows him <laughs> relentlessly until he notices her and says something. Uh, she has a fixa- fixation on his hands, which she considers to be the most attractive part of him, and they start dating. May's lesbian colleague Polly begins to flirt with May. One day, May remarks that Polly has a beautiful neck. During their flirtation, Polly gives May a pet cat, Lupe. Lupe, right? I thought it was Loopy. Maybe it's maybe well, Polly call, called him Loopy, but yeah, I don't know. That also might be Polly not knowing how to pronounce things. That's like a persistent <laughs> bit in the movie. Yeah, so you know what? <clears throat> we'll just go with Lou. Lou the cat. I like that better anyway. <laughs> May invites Adam to her apartment, and he shows her a film that he made for his university titled Jack and Jill. The film reveals a story of two young lovers who go on a picnic and end up eating each other. May becomes aroused by the cannibalism in the film. During an intense makeout session, she bites Adam on the... <laughs> I know. She bites intense Adam. makeout <laughs> sesh. <laughs> she she bites Adam on the lip and it bleeds. Disturbed, Adam abruptly leaves. May shouts at Susie and shoves her in the cupboard. She begins volunteering at a school for blind children. Where, I can't handle the switches and dude, this fucking. And it's not even just. I was just thinking that because it's not even that it just switch it like makes that hard switch there. It it doesn't even start a new paragraph. They're going for it. They're, They're like you're here. It. It's true. New paragraph for who? No. No new paragraphs. Only (laughs) intensely strange snippets of life. Anyway. Old paragraphs only. Um... Yeah, she begins volunteering at a school for blind children where she takes a liking to a sullen young girl named Petey, who makes her a clay ashtray with the name May pressed into it. She gives in to Polly's advances and starts a short affair. Stop. Like, it's like a telegram. It's like, stop. And it's not a new paragraph. Again, it's all still one paragraph. We're still here. Um. Adam stops calling her, and May overhears him say he is glad he could get rid of her. Okay. I don't know why I read it like that. Um, (laughs) The caffeine's, like, just kicking in. I'm like, whoa. Okay. (laughs) Devastated, she visits Polly, but finds her with another girl named Ambrosia, uh, furthering May's grief. When even Lou, the cat, refuses to come near her, May becomes enraged and throws Petey's ashtray at her, killing the cat and shattering the ashtray. She becomes delusional and believes that Susie is talking to her. 
May takes Susie to school and tells the blind children that Susie is her best friend. The children struggle to take the doll out of the glass case and the case shatters. May and the children are cut by the broken glass. Scooping up the ruined doll, May returns home dev devastated. The following day, she meets a young punk. He asks her if she wants to come get candy with him, and she accepts. May does not admire him very much, but likes the tattoo on his arm. At her house, he finds the cat's corpse and calls May a freak. May breaks down and stabs him in the head, killing him. After, much, after putting much thought into her future actions, May claims she needs more parts. Quote, unquote. On Halloween night, May dresses in a homemade costume resembling Susie, adopts a normal personality, and goes to Polly's house, where she slits her throat with a pair of surgical scalpels. When Ambrosia arrives, May stabs her in the temples. <laughs> like... That's they say that as if like as soon as she appears. Anyway. Surprise, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Next she visits Adam and his new girlfriend at his house. Uh May murders both of them with the scalpels. At home she designs her new friend, a life-size patchwork doll made from the punk's arms, Polly's neck, Ambrosia's legs, Adam's hands, his girlfriend's ears, and Lou the cat's fur for the hair. Using the broken remnants of the May ashtray to form an anagram, she names the doll Amy. She realizes that Amy has no eyes and cannot see her, so she gouges out her lazy eye. Crying in pain and <laughs> bleeding, she puts the eye on Amy's head and begs the doll to look at her. She collapses on the bed beside the doll and caresses it. Her creation comes to life and brushes her face affectionately with Adam's hands. The end. The end. So. Okay. <laughs> why did I yell? I'm sorry. Ryan Johnson edited this movie. Ryan Johnson of Star Wars fame. So I just need everyone to know that because I just found that out. So that's wild. I did not know that because I do not know anything about Star Wars. No, well, I just, I just and don't, I shan't don't like a, start now. Yeah, let me see. Watch, watch once never again about Star Wars. Just kidding. <laughs> I've never seen any of them. Really? Anyway, okay, not related. May. Oh, Talk and Knives May. Out. That's how I know his name. Yeah, <gasps> he's married to Karina Longworth. Wait. Yeah. Nope, not who I thought it was. <laughs> she hosts a podcast. She does. You must remember, remember this. this. Okay. I must remember this, yeah. Okay. Good for her. Now, I, when I said Karina Longworth, I thought of Marina from the L Word. Those are different people, different names, not the same yes. person, not even a real person. Anyway, let's go. Woo! Moving. <laughs> Sorry. This is a beautiful journey of an episode already. It's very good. <laughs> Tried meth once today. Never uh -oh. again. No, I'm just Rot -row. Um, Okay. May. Sweet, sweet, sweet May. I love her. You love May herself? Yes. Elaborate. So, I mean, okay, obviously she's a murderer and makes a giant human doll out of people, so don't necessarily love that. Um, or do I? But... I think, and I texted you about this, Dax, that, like, this is a movie where I so deeply see myself in this main character because, mm -hmm. like, surprise, surprise, I was a weird kid in school, as should surprise no one. 
I feel like everyone in the horror community was the weird kid in school. Like, let's be real here. So, okay. So May is the weird girl. And I love her so much because I was also a weird girl. And I think what, and I've, I've just empathized for this poor per, this poor woman so badly because she really is just set up for failure from the start. Like, she has a lazy eye, which like, y'all, it's not that big of a deal. Like in terms of appear, like it's, I feel like, you know, it's just a lazy eye. At the and, time, that was probably the 80s. Yeah. And her mother, we don't get, I wish, the only thing I wish I had more in this movie is that kind of like that looking back at her childhood. Um, but her mother is like very much looks like blonde and very put together and is like always wants May to hide her her lazy eye and doesn't want anyone to see it because you won't be able to, she says she won't be able to make friends and May's also wearing a um, an eye patch to correct the um to correct hopefully correct her eye and so you know she's already you see her at the beginning kids already asking her if she's a pirate blah 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 you know kids are assholes and don't know how to handle anyone who looks remotely different from them so and then her mom is like here have this doll if you don't have any friends make your own so here just here's a doll I made a long time ago and it's your new best friend and it's just like this this woman is set up for failure from the very beginning where it's like oh okay so you have a lazy eye you look a little bit different so you're going you're just destined to be alone and then you know we flash forward to her living an adult life and she is strange. She doesn't, you know, she's very quiet. She's very shy. She's very fixated on body parts. So, you know, some inappropriate touching of strangers. Let's just put it that way. But she, she so desperately longs for human interaction and she is just like cut off at the pass over and over and over again. And it just makes me so sad. And it's just such a, an, an, accurate representation to me of that rage and when you feel like you're just trying to make friends and like like you know find people to kiss and want to express yourself sexually and like want to be around people and want to be yourself but you're just continuously called a weirdo and a freak and dismissed as a freak because of your like slight differences and I just really empathize with her and this reminds me, this is going to be an interesting comparison. This reminds me of rape revenge movies in the sense that it's like that idea of that catharsis taken to like the fullest extent, like where you can't, you know, in our, in the reality, you cannot like make a human tall and kill the people that called you a freak and made you feel like shit about yourself. Just like, you know, in the real life, you can't necessarily go on a violent, violent revenge rampage against your rapist as much as I love that wish that was true it's like this is a place where you can kind of process that experience that you've had and kind of feel like it's a safe space for you to process that maybe that trauma you had if you're bullied or if you're continuing to be bullied so I saw some interesting kind of correlations between those two kinds of films while watching this movie it is interesting I wouldn't have thought of that but I don't know It's like I do somewhat identify with May to an extent. I mm-hmm. I was lucky where I never really struggled um, to make friends. Like, I was definitely one of the weird kids, but uh, I was, like, oddly accepted. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, I, I, 
I had bullies, but like not really, like not anything dramatic. There was only one that like persisted through the years. And uh and I just didn't even like care. I was just whatever Heather, you know. Um <laughs> she had a villain name. I'll only say her first name, I guess. But she had a truly like villainous name to the point where if someone wrote a villain and gave her this name, you'd be like, that's a little on the nose. Don't you think? Fuck yeah. You know, but anyway, um, yeah, she, she was on my only like real bully. Okay. Um, and again, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, call me a name. Like, you're not meaner than my dad. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Fuck. <laughs> uh, Sorry. so, but people liked me more than her, I think, like generally. Um, okay. so it's like. You know, so I was definitely one of the weird kids. Like I've always been into like punk and horror movies and metal, um, you know, like all that kind of stuff, like goth shit. And like when I was like in sixth grade, I would check out every Shakespeare book for some reason and like every Edgar Allan Poe like thing that I could and like read them and memorize them. So like in that sense, I was like a little bit weird. But I was never, like, unaccepted um, Mm -hmm. as far as, like, you know, the overall populace, like. Yeah, and I guess I was similar. I wasn't necessarily, like, completely ostracized, but I definitely was a weirdo. And, like. Yeah. It depended on. So, like, basically, let me just, like, out myself for my bullshit. I thought I was a werewolf in third grade and would go around (laughs) telling no please laugh at me please (laughs) roast me i would like howl and have people feed me lunch meat like i was a dog oh you want some other shit yeah it was next level (laughs) bullshit like i thought i was a werewolf like some people stopped being friends with me because it was so weird and yes that that would have made me be your friend that was very strange so like (laughs) so just a quick tangent i was doing that for who who the fuck knows why and um uh, my grandparents had introduced me to like a new family that they knew from like the Navy, blah, 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 and wanted me to be friends with their daughter. And she was very nice. <laughs> but then I started doing the werewolf stuff. And she told her mom that I was weird and she didn't want to hang out with me anymore. <laughs> my grandparents found out and they like had to have like, they sit me down and be like, hey, Mary Beth, what are you doing? That's amazing. That's so yep. funny. Yes. So I grew out of that relatively quickly but i definitely was a fucking weird like full-on fucking freak see now i i wasn't like that like i had the full goth makeup and stuff like hell yeah the boy kind like remember good charlotte how they had the makeup like coming down oh oh punk oh you had that full on Heck yes. I had Liberty Spikes. Like I had a, oh, I had a yeah. bright green mohawk in um in high school that I cut myself and dyed myself. Who let me So you were like kinda cool. Like I guess I thought you were cool as fuck. Thank you. Yeah, I, I wasn't on some werewolf shit. But yeah, <laughs> But I did like I'm on that werewolf I shit. would stage protests, for instance. Like I would get in trouble for that or Okay. You know, I was like, so you were pretty you were much like how I am now. <laughs> okay. So you were a cool weirdo. I was just a fucking weirdo. And I was known for watching weird horror movies and people thought I was a freak. So, yeah, yeah. like that too. 
Yeah, I think we would have been friends if we went to school we together. Probably. We probably would. I wouldn't, especially in high school when I stopped being a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought I was a vampire and a witch, but that's a story for another time. I, I really didn't that. want to be a human. <laughs> I think I'm a witch right now. I still don't want to be a human, but. No, and why would you, if you could choose not to? Why not? I'm a transformer. No. but anyway the point of me saying that was you know i still i even if i was viewed as like the weird kid right especially because i was always like i couldn't hide that i was queer my whole life like yeah i always dressed like a boy i would panic if i couldn't um Uh i like totally 100% thought I was going to be like in the X Games and like stuff like that you know (laughs) I really thought that wow Uh, yeah would dress in my X Games shit like every day (laughs) on my X Games shit I had like a shit whatever anyway um, (laughs) all that's to say like even if I was considered weird I still had my group I had a pretty large group of goth friends um there it was like a solid what 10 11 of us maybe hell yeah and and we grew up together like from middle school throughout high school a lot of us into college still like for instance lauren i mean i've known lauren since i was seven but you know what i mean hi lauren hi um (laughs) So I always had that group. I never felt like I was unaccepted, you know. But this movie makes me think of this girl that I went to school with. And all of my schools were pretty, like, liberal. Like, obviously, when I came out, I was, like, the first person to come out. Um, And that was an ordeal. (laughs) (laughs) But um, ultimately, you know, people ended up not being super surprised. Uh, but this other girl, and I, I won't say her name, but people I went to school with, they'll know who I'm talking about. She was ex- like very much like May, except that instead of being very quiet and sullen, she was very loud and obnoxious because she wanted oh. attention. And like she would have been the type <laughs> to be on that werewolf shit. Like, you know what I mean? And Yes. You know, I remember she came to my house one day, and we, we weren't super close, and I didn't have very many birthday parties growing up, but I remember she came to one, and she just stood in my front yard and screamed for, like, an hour. Like, not at anything, not because of anything, just screamed for, like, an hour. And... Oh, yeah and it's like she had a really hard life she was really poor um yeah and you know i was poor but she was like very poor like she like lived out of hotels sometimes and um she wore leggings all the time because that's like what she could afford to get because leggings were cheap at the time this is Uh the early 2000s um and when i say leggings i don't mean like cool ones i mean like you know the kind that like hook under your foot and oh yeah 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 okay. and she was just into like goth stuff she was like very an anime and that was not a thing at that time 
Um, you know, so when I watch this movie, I kind of, I tend to think about her. And I always wonder how she's doing. Sometimes I, like, check in. Because I always felt bad. Like, she would talk about, like, nobody likes her and she has no friends and she, like, wants to die. And we're, like, you know, children. And I don't know. Like, I, when I was watching this last night, I kept thinking about her. Mm, and I'm like, okay. no one deserves that. Like, no matter how fucking weird you are, no one deserves that. And I've never, I, I'm very thankful that I was never an asshole kid. Like, if you were rejected, I probably would have went up to, and talked to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is how I had the screaming girl <laughs> at my <sighs> house. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just think of, I, I think of her and like what it means to truly be an outcast like you can feel like an outcast and also not be one which is i think what i dealt with um just because of my yeah like identity and not understanding you know the emotions i was feeling and dealing with my you know my home life and just feeling like no one understood me and and to a large extent they didn't but like i don't know what it's like to be to actually be 100% alone and disliked and like you put everyone off like you know what I mean yeah no exactly and like again I did not have that 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 despite my weird werewolf face I did not have that experience and there were people that I knew in high school that were like this and were very isolated and like everyone made fun of and they were the joke and that was so fucking shitty like kids are cruel and they really I, are. I, w- I wish I was a nicer person in high school. I wasn't a pile on, but I definitely like laughed and I was a shitty person and I accept that 100% and no one deserves that treatment at all. No one deserves to be f- treated like that when they're in high school, when they're still trying to figure their shit out. And I know like, and no May here is in her twenties, but you can like, they don't show that, but you can only fucking imagine like the childhood that she must've had going throughout high school like exact so yeah and yeah. it's like your you know your own mom like i can't really like i don't fully understand but like i imagine as a young girl like having your own mom know like like think that you're ugly you know um that's yeah. probably really difficult and that probably would never go away how could it no and like you just that kind of Resentment just grows and grows and grows. And obviously the Susie the Susie doll who's creepy as shit. Yeah. Like it is it looks like the mom made her out of like creepy clay. Her eyes are very big. <laughs> it's very cre it's just fucking creepy. It's like the doll becomes a conduit for all the insecurities, all of May's insecurities, and becomes like her mom. So she calls Susie yeah. her best friend in the whole wide world. But like the doll is made by her mom. It was a gift from her mom. So the doll just represents everything bad about May. Well, everything May has been told is bad about her because the doll keeps coming up. Like, you know, whenever she has the the boy over and they're in an intense makeout session on her bed <laughs> after she makes him a dinner of macaroni and cheese and Gatorade. Um, um, it's called and- Class Sweaty. Look it up. 
Gatorade in wine glasses, which is phenomenal. Um, and Susie's looking at her, like is facing her, and she's like bites his lip and says, You weren't supposed to be facing me. Like there is a dot like a supposed dialogue going on between the two of them where like she really does think that Susie is alive and that keeps coming up throughout the film. And I think one of the wildest parts is like, so, well to back up. So whenever she gets mad, like cracks start appearing, like a very, it's a very obvious metaphor here of the cracks appearing on the glass. Very obvious. Susie's box. So Susie's not allowed out of the box. Susie's kept inside this glass case, like some kind of creepy Annabelle shit. And every time that we see may get mad at Susie, she kind of punches the top of the box and the cracks get bigger. So, you know, that, you know, very <laughs> obvious metaphor here of the cracks are f- forming at the surface. Um, and then for some reason she decides, oh, I'm I'm volunteering with blind children. I'm going to bring in this box, this bo- doll in a box and tell these children how it's my best friend. And of course the kids then break the box and the glass is shattered and <laughs> Susie is free. And that's when things really take a turn because, of course, the the... It's like Pandora's box has been opened and now it is time for May to become a new person because she needs a new best friend. But it's like, it's not in a way that you would expect because she's like, oh, shit, now I need a new best friend. It's not like, oh, I don't know what else it could have been, but I thought it was interesting how it's like, it's not some, it's like this big shift, but it's because she needs to replace Susie. Not that she's like, oh, I don't need Susie. She's like, oh, no, I really need Susie. So I need to build a new version of her out of humans. Uh, see, I didn't interpret it that way. Like, I didn't interpret her need for another, uh, friend, Amy, I guess. Um, like, because Susie got out. I don't know. Oh, okay. For me, like, I... Tell me more. I don't know. Like, I just didn't connect those two. And maybe it's because they weren't well connected, in my opinion. But it almost seemed more like opportunistic where she's like, well, I killed this punk guy. I might as well take his arms. Like (laughs) that's how it seemed to me. I've never considered like, I Uh... like Susie's getting out to me was just indicative of may fully breaking down. Like all the cracks in um, Susie's case were like, okay, may is cracking a little bit more. May is cracking a little bit more. Finally, you know, all the kids in what is a really upsetting, but in my opinion, great scene. Um, they they break the glass case and then proceed to, like, crawl around in the glass because they, they don't know that it's glass at first, I guess. Right? That's a good yeah. scene. But anyway, um, that scene... Is just like okay, May is finally fucking done, you know. Yeah, that, I yeah, that's true. I saw it that way too. I just yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think of um, Susie getting out as like, oh, I need a new friend. Maybe I missed it for twenty years. I mean, again, as we as we have found in many of these movies, there are just many different interpretations that aren't necessarily right or wrong. That's true. This shit's weird. Um. Okay, I want to talk about my favorite scene, though, in this movie, because it felt very hashtag relatable. And it's the scene where, fuck, what is his name? Justin? 
Who? Adam? Who's this boy? What is it? Adam. Why do I think his name is Jeremy Parker Sisto? Oh, because the actor. Yes. Jeremy Sisto. Okay. Adam. Where Adam is showing May his film, Jack and Jill, which is, you know, your stereotypical, like, I made a horror movie in college where people eat each other and she is like so into it and I identify with that not like they're getting turned on my cannibalism but I don't but like the kind of like oh fuck this is so cool like I'm so into this like fuck yeah this is such a like a cool thing to watch on a first date and him being a little bit weirded out by that that was just like very relatable because I was the kid who always made us watch weird horror movies on <laughs> dates and like I was the girl I was like let's watch like um, midnight meat train or like teeth and i thought it was so much fun and like kind of cool to like watch a creepy movie with your boyfriend and it was always kind of taken as like oh you're kind of a freak and oh, i'm, I'm I, sure teeth went over very well with your date it, it, yes it went over very <laughs> well with my high school um male um romantic interest they were very excited about it um yeah it definitely led to a lot of second dates but <laughs> This scene, I think, just in watching her face, Angela Bettis's performance as May is amazing. Ugh. I love her; it's iconic. But she's the way great she, in everything. She really is. But the way, like, her face starts to kind of light up, and she's like, "Oh, this," but she thinks, "Oh, this person kind of gets me," like, because she's yeah. oh, she's seen as being very into medical stuff. Like, she works at a vet office. She is helps with surgery. She is very interested in sewing things together and like kind of objection and so she watches this she's like oh fuck like this guy is kind of into the same things i am and like taking things like body taking bodies apart and she takes it you know oh it's like you know she says it obviously takes it too far but it was a really kind of sweet-ish moment to see her think that she has a connection with somebody only to be quickly have that quickly be dashed but it felt very real in her. It's like this realization. Oh, cool. Like there is someone weird like me. He does like weird. And then he discovers what kind of weird she is. Yeah. Cause I think he thinks he's weird. And then he meets a real weirdo. Yep. He's like, he's like oh. I'm so quirky. I made a movie about cannibalism in college. And she's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Can I legitimately bite off your fingers? <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> she's like, like I don't think I, she could have bitten off his finger in one bite. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love she I don't think it's very realistic that she could have bitten off his finger all in one bite. And he was like I loved that. I love her. It just that scene was just very good and it was like when you can finally see her personality coming through and she's kind of like letting her guard down a little bit. And that makes it all the more upsetting when he's like whoa. You're weird. Yeah. You're you're fucking weird. Like and that comes back to play with Polly, who says, I like weird when they're like, they are making out. And then May goes, do you actually like weird? Like, I'm starting to realize here that like, yeah. y'all don't seem, we all seem to have very different definitions of what it means to be weird. And it, this movie is so devastating because you really are, you know, you're seeing May realize the reality of the world in a really fucked up way and that she just keeps getting rejected and called names and just like her expectations shattered <clears throat> and it's just so sad it is really sad and i did also really like that 
that scene um, where they're watching the movie beca- because of Angela Bettis, but also because yeah. um, it's fun to watch Jeremy Sisto, who's also great in pretty much oh, yes. everything I've ever seen him in. Um, because you, you, he's watching her the whole time. Yes. And <laughs> he's like intrigued. He, I think he's more into the fact that she thinks he's impressive. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because she puts her arm, like she takes his arm and puts it around her. Yeah, and I think in his mind, he doesn't, he doesn't realize how strange things are going to get. Yeah. And, well, and he's like, oh, I'm going to get laid. Exactly. Well, and like, I liked these moments where May has these, these like brief shining moments of confidence where she actually touches him and like puts his arm around her and like kind of leans mm-hmm. into touch because touch is such a huge part of this movie. Like I could not stop thinking about the use of touch and hands yeah. and like the, the kind of importance of being able to touch things and what it means to her to touch and when she has the confidence to touch things, it seems so. If you can hear the sirens, I apologize. Something is happening outside of my apartment. But they're coming t- to get you, Barbara. <sighs> um, touch is such an important thing in this movie as her expression of care and also her expression of intimacy. And it extends to the blind kids as well, when she sees them touching stuff, she's like, why are they touching everything? And so it's just how McKee uses different ideas of intimacy through her own hands and her relationship to other people's hands is also really fucking cool. It is. I loved that. I know. No, I was just thinking. Um, that was really smart, <laughs> but what oh. I'm going to say is not super smart. <laughs> um, when I was in high school, I made a movie very similar to that. Of course you did. Was it well, called Jack and Jill? <laughs> it wasn't. It was, um, it was a music video. Do you know the, who the horror pops are? Yes. So they have that song, um, Walked with a Zombie, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I made a music video for that and it was like a black and white like silent film but it was about like lesbian uh, zombie uh, rockabilly people fuck yeah yeah Lauren helped me make it (laughs) and uh, I don't know I, I was just thinking about how we worked really hard on that and it came out like pretty good like we never really made anything before that and my teacher refused to show it because it had gay zombies in it. <gasps> Fucking homophobic. 2006, man. Yeah. And then also, do, do you remember the band Phantom Planet? No. I feel like they had... Oh, oh, they had um, a very popular song. It was uh, California. It was like um, the theme song to... The OC, maybe? Oh, 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 oh. Was that the one that Misha Barton was on? Yes. And more importantly, Olivia Wilde. Oh, fuck, she was. I only watched that one season because they were gay on it. Fair enough. she left. 
and then I never watched it again. But anyway, they did the theme song for that. Okay. Anyway, they had um, a music video. I was very into them. They're, they had this music video that used to play on, uh, like, Subterranean sometimes, and it was called Big Brat, I think, and it always, every time I saw it, I thought of May, because it's so similar. It's got, like, the zombies and shit. I don't know. I haven't watched that in, like, ten years, so don't at me if I'm, like, wrong and it's they don't look at all, like, similar, but, yeah. I, I kept thinking of that song last night when I was watching this again. That was my two cents. You you made a great point. I'm like, yeah. remember that song by Bamba, the OC? <laughs> I like Misha Barton and Olivia Wilde. They're gay. But speaking of gay, actually. So this yes. movie is discussed a lot as a really as a as a bisexual horror film bisexual icon exactly may bisexual icon and you know bisexuality is not seen a lot in media in general and so it i i as a bisexual was very excited to see this movie and because everyone had told me like oh it's a bisexual film like there's she you know hooks up with guys and girls and i was so fucking pumped and i was not disappointed i i have some feelings about it a little bit and necessarily labeling her bisexual and dex you brought this up to me so i'm glad you did because oh just out me I'm so well. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Give I was going to say it. Here. I I I'm curious to hear your thoughts about this because it's it was hard for me to see her as purely bisexual because I felt a little bit like she was getting taken advantage of by both people. A hundred percent agree. I don't think and, she is bisexual. And it didn't. I don't know. Like I, I see it as a bisexual film, but at the same time, there's something really uncomfortable here about how both of these people, and I'm glad it's both of them. It's not like just Anna Faris's character, like being a predatory lesbian. Thank Christ. Um, it's like, they think that she's being it, to me this, I read it as they saw her as this kind of weird, quiet girl. They could take under their wing and like kind of groom and manipulate because they are both obviously very sexually experienced. They're very confident. They know they're attractive and they're taking this very quiet, shy, meek girl who has stated that she doesn't never, she's never dated anybody on like into their lives to manipulate her. And while she is consenting, it still is, it feels very uncomfortable. Yeah, so there's a lot to, like, pick apart about it. Yeah. So the first thing is we did choose May because we wanted some bisexual representation during Pride Month, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hadn't seen this movie in a couple years. Rewatching it this time, I was like, May? I don't think she's bi. <laughs> I, I don't think she is bi. I think that um, Polly comes on to her really hard and she just kind of lets it happen. Like, she doesn't know what to do. She almost, at times, she seems put off by it. 
like for for instance when they're like dancing and then you know yeah. of course polly is like do you like what what does she say she's like do you like pussy and she's like what may may is like what and then polly's like cats pussy cats yeah in a, in a manner that is very anna ferris like oh my um, god yes but, so I oh sorry no 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 it's it's fine I was I was just gonna say that's like a good example of like how May doesn't seem totally comfortable but she wants a friend so badly that you know she lets Polly kind of get away with the shit yeah and that's that is something that I was like kind of grappling with because there are the moments like where Polly you know the the explicit moment where Polly comes on to her Polly at like. I guess it's not necessarily, it wasn't like explicitly asking for consent, but she's like, are you like, is this weird you out? And May's like, well, I'm weird. And she seems to be enjoying it until she sees the wart on her finger, which is wild. But it it is hard to, it is hard in this film to parse out what is enjoyment and what is like excitement that someone is accepting her and wants to be around her. And I think that is a big point of the film is like, what does, what is the line here for her in terms of like romance or just finally being happy that someone wants to be around her? Like, what does she actually want? And she just wants companionship. So a lot of what happens in this movie feels like her just trying to grasp onto that companionship because she does show up at Polly's house, like after calling and saying like, Hey, you want to, you know, like wants to spend time with her, but then she sees Polly is with Ambrosia and they show Ambrosia's legs um, and May gets really upset. And so that can, it definitely looks like, you know, jealousy and that May is very, you know, invested in her relationship with Polly, but is that romantic and has to do with, you know, sexual attraction or is it just merely looking for companionship and being jealous that there's someone else that she's spending time with and i don't think there's an answer i think there it can be seen both ways i think it they all go together but i don't think it is as like explicitly bisexual as i think some people say it is like very surface level obviously it is bisexual and that she has she is intimate with both a man and a woman, but it's not necessarily this like bisexual manifesto of like sexual liberation and like her being with both. And it's more like being taken advantage of, which I don't, it made me a little bit bummed. I will say that. Yeah. I, I actually think it is pretty clear that she's not bi. Um, okay. but it's like funny. Cause at first she doesn't even, want to be like friends with Anna Ferris. Like Anna Ferris just won't leave her alone. Polly. Yeah. Polly won't like leave her alone. And she's like pining over Adam. May is pining over Adam. Mm-hmm. And Polly's just kind of like, come on, like dance with me. Let's be like happy. Cause she, she has no idea what's going on with Adam. Like at all. Polly. And, uh, that's kind of like how she and May they already worked together but that's kind of how they start like hanging out and to me it seemed like Polly was first of all Anna Faris seems like she's like in a like a noir or something right like the way she acts like she but even by like saying like doll which doll obviously Susie Amy I get it but ha 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 
yeah, <laughs> she's she see, doesn't she seem like almost like she's in like you know maybe Sin City or something. So or like this a, whole, real noir. This whole movie felt so weird out of time and space for me because every character felt like they existed in their own time period, but like in a purposeful way, like especially her and Ambrosia who felt like they belonged in some weird Tar- like Quentin Tarantino movie about LA. <laughs> like with their outfits yeah, and the way they talk at different they, times, at different times. Exactly. And so like everyone kind of felt like they were transported from different time periods into this weird, like liminal space. Yeah. I wonder if there's something like with that. Yeah. It's but, really fascinating. But yeah, you were basically, I definitely got that, like the whole doll. And she like talks like this the whole time. Like yeah. very much like very Anna Faris, like very purposeful, over the top, Valley Girl-esque, overly like hyper feminine way of talking. Like when she goes, I'll be right there and like flicks her tongue. Like she's when she's like, she's going to eat Ambrosia out. Like I just... <laughs> Yeah. It's just so funny. Anyway. But for May, I think that um, Polly's doing that because she just wants something from her. And and I think she does want to have sex with her. If only because, like, you know, she, uh, I, I don't even know. But I think she, I think Polly does want to have sex with her. But I think ultimately what she wanted was she wanted May to take the cat. And she she's probably used to using her sexuality to get whatever she wants you know what i mean so i feel like that's why she was doing that to may because that's like her weapon how to get what she wants how how do i get may to take this cat oh i know i'll flirt with her until she agrees and then i'll just disappear like you know what i mean you know she she did invite may to come out um to girls night out i guess she said it was so that is so interesting because i did not see I saw Polly as manipulative, but not in that way. I thought that she just like was really interested in May and actually like really liked her and wasn't trying to get something out of her, which is interesting. I think it's both things, honestly. Yeah. She does seem to really genuinely like like May and care about her, but ultimately, like she did want her to take the cat and how how to get someone that you don't really know to do something for you, right? Like, yeah. it's not like they're friends at that point. That's, like, yeah. the first time they really, like, hang out. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it isn't, and we just never saw their relationship before, but that's kind of how it came across to me. Yeah. And I, to me, it just seemed like all manipulation. Now, I do think that... Um, I do think Polly did, like, may, you know, but... Ultimately, I think she just wanted to use her in whatever way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, she said about Ambrosia, like, oh, it's just another piece of ass. So obviously, like, Polly is just trying to fuck. And that's fine. But she's definitely, like, very, you know, she's just trying to, she's trying to have sex. She's trying to just, like, get around. And that seems to kind of be her MO and sleeping with different, sleeping with as many people as she wants and can yeah even though we don't really see that it's just we can kind of get that sense i did appreciate that they were both femme too okay i did i love that i also love that like she's a lesbian and like there's no it's like not a big deal 
Like she's yeah, just gay. Like she doesn't have to come out to anyone. She's very obviously like gay just by her hitting on women. Yeah, exactly. And she just like is with women and she's like, both of them are like very, very femme and like very feminine clothing. And I just thought that was, I liked that representation a lot because it just felt normal. It didn't have to be like, it wasn't like, oh my God, look, a lesbian. It was more like, hey, look, this is a character who just happens to also like having sex with women. Yeah. There's no like coming out scene really, like not a big dramatic thing. And, like, there's no weirdness with, like, the boss. So, you know, there always could be some weird shit with, like, the boss at the vet clinic. But nothing. Yeah. It's just, like, normal. <laughs> he seemed like a bumbling, like, idiot. I love it. It's amazing. That was really funny. Um, I just had a thought that makes me feel very smart. This movie is very much about a subversion of the male gaze. Because... So, yes, Lucky McKee is a man and he is behind the camera. And, like, that in itself dictates the male gaze. But then May is constantly seen viewing people as parts, which is a big part of the the theory of the male gaze is that the female body is viewed in parts. It is not viewed as a whole, but as different parts that you can consume for sexual pleasure. And so in this film, she is looking at his hands and always talking about how much she loves his hands. And always, the camera is always focused on his hands when she's looking at him. And then she's always talking about Ambrosia's gams, her legs, and always looking at her legs. She's always looking at um, Polly's hand with the wart on it. She is constantly looking at people not as holes, but as parts. And obviously that has to go along with the the doll parts and making a doll, but it is such an interesting inversion of the way we think about the male gaze and how it's weaponized by men against women. But here it's being really like purposefully weaponized by a woman against other people for her own predatory practices, which I think is cool as shit because it's very obvious. There are parts of Ambrosia where it's, you literally just see like her very beautiful legs, like, coming out from door frames and it's obviously very much framed like that kind of male gaze perspective but it's you're seeing it through may's eyes and she is seeing this woman as a pair of legs and that pair of legs is something that she can utilize and so i thought that was really a really fucking cool portion like part of the film and an interesting way of looking at the male gaze and how it can be used in really fascinating ways and like changed in really interesting ways that aren't maybe always so obvious at first i really like that too yeah and it's you know you spend the whole movie thinking poor may but she's a predator they're all predators exactly like i feel bad for her and i sympathize for her but she's a predator like she is a like she is very much like not a good person and especially because well, I guess to clarify, like they like um Polly and Adam are both predators. Like they are not sexual predator predators in that they are assaulting anyone or anything like that. They're just they want to manipulate May into like having sex with them. And May at at the end of the movie, you see May could have been a, like a conventionally like quote-unquote normal person the whole time you know and she talks you know she dresses like i guess i didn't i never put together before i read that that she's supposed to look like Susie, but 
Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't really put that together. I thought it was just a really ugly dress. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's ugly. But she, but that's like a more that's a more like quote unquote normal dress than what she's usually wearing. Like the other stuff that she wears for most of the movie kind of looks like, you know, Sally, like maybe from um, yes. Nightmare Before Christmas. She 100 fucking percent. I'm glad you brought that up. She looks like Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas. And she reminds me of Frankenstein. Yes. Yes. And she uses her like their trust in her to get close to them. And she uses her like mild demeanor to get close to them. And then you know stab of the scalpel <laughs> you know what i mean exactly that's her predatory behavior so like it's almost like if you wanted to you could see it as she's playing them the whole time like is she planning this the whole time because she is always watching their body parts um and then at the end of the movie she seems like anybody else i mean i don't think that's probably true but you could see it like that. Why not? You could. Because I thought about that at the end. I was like, what was her, like, what was the motive the whole time? And I, I, it goes back to me where I think she has this fixation on body parts. And, you know, she has, she has lots of dolls. And she has, like, you know, she puts things together. She's always sewing. She's around dolls. So she has this kind of, like, mentality of piece, of literally piecing things together. And also that surgical background. So I feel like she has this kind of weird obsession with those things but i never i when i well this first watch i saw it is like a passive obsession but then when the Susie doll escapes in scare quotes and like breaks she finally is like something kind of snaps like oh i can use this passive obsession in a different way you know what i mean that's how i yeah. saw it but again but at the same time you could it does feel like did she kind of was she thinking about that and maybe she yeah. was passively when you kind of have a weird fucked up thought flip through your head and then it goes away. Like maybe she had those weird passive thoughts, but then she actually was like, oh, I can actually act on those. Neat. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to think about like maybe she was planning it the whole time. Again, I don't think she was. I don't think you're even supposed to think that she was, but um, you just had, like, I couldn't help but wonder, especially this time when I was watching it, if she acted yeah. so like, rational and calm and like um not not super meek and like you know what i mean like pretty much opposite of how she is the rest of the time why wouldn't she just do that the rest of the time so that's a good point though because i that it was something i was thinking about like she very quickly shifts like she has like you know that usual stereotypical like rom-com moment where they're like i'm a beautiful girl and i know how to be a person but it happened so fast it wasn't like it was like all of a sudden she became, she like took off a, a facade. You know, right. I, it's like, I think it's supposed to look like she's putting on a costume, but it looks like she's actually now finally being herself. It's yes, weird. It does. I, I, I couldn't parse that either. It's weird moment, but I kind of like that ambiguity of like, wait, who is May? Cause I feel like you don't necessarily get a good sense of who May really is in this movie no. on purpose. And I love that. Yeah. I think, you know, we can't really get a good grip on who May is because May doesn't even know who May is. <laughs> what if she killed her mom? Uh, I would love that. 
I would love that. I'm like writing a whole like origin story where she kills her mom and made her into a giant like taxidermy doll. But that's just me. We should write May 2. May to May to Furious. <laughs> Sorry. May 2. The collection begins. <laughs> <laughs> May 2. Electric Bookaloo. <laughs> Give her, give her a real fucking cool eye patch now because she doesn't have a fucking eyeball anymore. May to return of the fellowship of the May. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the two um, Mays. Return of the May. <laughs> Need more caffeine. Hold on. Okay. It's nine thirty at night. Um, well, I'm gonna edit this. What? Like, I'm going to edit this tonight. Are you editing this one? No. I thought I was editing this one. Oh, I just drank a lot of caffeine. No, you're right. <laughs> it's okay. I have other shit that I, I need to do. You can now if you want. Oh, so I don't want to go back anxiety. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, sorry. Um, um, what what did I want to say about this movie? I, well, um, are you like almost uh, almost like done with all your thoughts? Yes, I am. I am in fact done with all of my thoughts. I have no thoughts for left for the rest of the ever year for the rest of my life. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> brain um, empty, no more. <laughs> Well, I think that it'd be um, cool for us to just touch on, like, why Why do you think this movie is sometimes listed as uh, a disturbing movie? Like, why is it on this podcast? That's a good question. Besides the fact that we wanted to watch it and I like it. <laughs> well, so the very obvious thing, I think, is at the end when she makes um, a Frankenstein doll out of all the people that have wronged her. Like, that's pretty... The whole sequence of her, like, going around with the giant cooler and, like, taking her body parts and then watching her sew them together and then taking out her own eye. That whole end sequence is pretty fucked up. Like... Yeah. That... And And we didn't even touch on how the punk guy is also trying to manipulate her and having sex. Oh, my God. Can I take off my shirt? I'm hot. Oh, my God. My nipples are hurting. Can I put some ice on my nipples? Not with those fucking dreadlocks, you little crust punk. Crusty ass hair. Take a shower. Try. Anyway. Sorry. (laughs) I was stabbing, too. It's true. I love all the stabbing through his hands and through his head was so cool, too. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That was fucked up. It was. But so look, that that whole part at the end is obviously like the most disturbed, like the most quote unquote, like textbook disturbing part of the movie. But I also think the whole film is disturbing in a way and seeing the re- the ways that we interact with people that we think are different and the way that these people may interact with the world and how they are treated and cast out as freaks and pushed away and not given a chance as human beings and rather just seen as weirdos, like not as people. So I think that has a lot to do with it. But I also think a lot of it has to do with watching this young woman try to 
be a person, but also dealing with these dark fantasies of her own. And, you know, they don't, like, like we talked about, they don't hide the fact that she's in to gore and into body parts like it's the whole movie so the whole movie has this kind of air of like something bad is going to happen and there's like some tension of i don't know there's just something about it that overall is disturbing in the tone the way that everyone acts everyone is just an asshole to one another and manipulates one another and they've you know just the revenge the slash comeuppance comes out in a very exaggerated way but it, it feels weirdly realistic in the way that people are being manipulated and are manipulating. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think some of the animal stuff probably also gets it included on the disturbing list. Oh yeah. It's nothing like super fucked up with animals. Like, well, she does kill the cat by throwing the ashtray, which bothered me a lot. Yeah, but you you don't see it happen. You it like cuts to her being angry and throwing the ashtray. Then you hear, you know, it break, and then it cuts back to the cat, where it, you can see the cat's legs and like a splash of of blood in the yeah. bathroom. Um, I thought actually the like surgery of the cat was a little more fucked up. Even though, again, first of all, it looks totally fake. Like, it it looks like actually they're operating on one of those, like, fake, like, Halloween legs or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then they just happen to put, like, a cat head at the top of the table. Yeah. But for some people, I think that probably is, is pretty hard to see. Well, um, I also think the other hard thing about the cat is the fact that she like keeps it in the freezer and holds it and sleeps with it. Like it's not, yeah. it's, it's not just like a quick thing where the cat is dead. It's like she cu- like cuddles the corpse and like won't let it go. And you see her spraying it with Lysol so it smells better. <laughs> that is true. I know I laugh, but this movie's like weirdly like a little bit funny. I know uh, what when she sprayed him, I sprayed the cat. I was like, okay, I do kind of think that's f- fucked yeah. up and hysterical. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think um, the animal stuff gets it put on those lists. Uh, I'm usually, as you know, we talked about it on here before, I think. I'm I'm pretty sensitive to animal stuff in movies. Yeah. So this didn't super bother me in this one. I feel like that's a good gauge, uh, like, for anybody who hasn't seen this yet for some reason. Yeah. And is curious. Like, it's not, it's not s- terrible. But it is there. Um, and, you know, I think that probably gets it on the list. I think uh, some of the... Just, I think her sewing body parts together, even though it... I mean, it's a little gross, but it's not terrible. I think the idea of that probably really bothers some people. Yeah. Um, but overall, I agree with you. I think what gets it put on the list is that this is just such a, like, difficult... It's She's difficult to watch. She She's, like, frustrating, yeah. almost. And I think that she makes you really think about what it's like to be 
pretty much 100% alone. You never see her talking to her parents. She does not have any other friends. Um, she lives alone, you know? Yeah. And she just has this totally solitary life. And she just seems so sad. Like, it's not she, like she's yes. happily alone. No, like, she's so desperate for interaction. Yeah. Like, she brings the doll to children and says, this is my very best friend in front of other adults. Like, she is just so starving for some kind of interaction and human contact. And attention, like, pretty much any sort. Exactly. And I think that is ultimately what makes this movie, though mildly, um, disturbing. Because it is really hard for... I think it's probably disturbing to mo- more people than us. I feel like we probably yeah. oh, this isn't that bad compared to like a lot of yeah. other things we've watched. But it, if you showed yeah. this to like, you know, like my mom, she would probably think this is like the goriest movie. But I think that it would make her really sad. Like, I think for people who yeah. do not normally watch this kind of stuff or or maybe don't watch many horror movies or something, this is probably like a devastatingly sad movie. And it is. Yeah. I mean, it's got one of it those is. endings once again where it's like, good for her. She has a friend, but also she like killed all these people. Yeah. But, so, but yeah, I, I think that this movie is super sad. I thought it was a little funny. I'm, I've also seen it how many times at this point? Uh, so it doesn't super affect me. But yeah, I think that's why it deserves to be talked about on our podcast. Because it, it is really sad. It is really sad. And gross. And it's it, great. It, yeah, it is pretty gross. It's, it's like not the worst, but uh, it was grosser than I remembered. Yeah. Uh, that one scene I was just thinking about where she um, slits Anna Ferris's throat. It's kind of hot. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's not. Just kidding. I didn't say that. It's a little hot. Like, obviously, like- um, Anna, well, Polly, like, thinks that they're going to, like, do knife yeah. play and then have sex. It's got, like, some, like, it's got some like some sexual energy and then she doesn't oh it's just i think it's a really well orchestrated kill scene it's like simple but i think it's really really fucking well done but those are the kinds of like scenes where it's not like a big like uh splash effect or anything where it's just like a simple slit and then it starts bleeding that always gets me yeah, and it's not that Oof. dramatic, like, oh, the jugular and there's blood spurting. It's more like just flowing down her neck, which I like quiet. to begin. It's not a spectacle, as much of a spectacle. It's just, it's very simple. But like you said, it gets you because it's like, holy shit. Yeah. And you think that because uh, Polly seems to be living in a different movie, you think she's going to be like, why, May? Why? <laughs> <laughs> no, my throat. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't think I have pretty much anything else to say. I didn't write any notes because I'm very professional. Same. Well, that was our discussion on May. I'm so glad that uh, we finally, I finally watched it and got to walk, talk about it on the 
on the podcast. Me too. I'm glad you liked it. I would have been too. sad if you didn't. I know. I would have also been very sad if I didn't. Um, so next week, we will be hopefully talking about Funeral Parade of Roses with Drew. Apologies for the delay on that. But we will be talking about that. Everyone, Funeral and Funeral Parade of Roses is streaming on Mubi. So give it a watch. It's amazing about the gay community, the drag community, and trans men in Japan in the 60s. So get ready for that. Yeah. Where is it streaming? Mubi. Okay. And I think, well... I think it's, it's on not Criterion. Free. Yeah, but it, yeah, it's on Criterion too. It's on Criterion. So, you know, this is, I feel like, the first time ever it's been so easily accessible. So even if you don't listen to the episode, just watch this movie. It's a beautiful film, an amazing piece of queer cinema, and I'm stoked to talk about it. If you had to rate it like one to ten, one being the least and ten being the most, how disturbing is it? Like, for it's people like who six. don't know. It's like a six. Okay, so, so that's it's so like, watchable. It's not terrible, but there's it's like it's a retelling, it's an interesting retelling of the Oedipus story through a drag queen. So if you know the story hmm. of Oedipus, go from there. That's the one with the ring, and he has to take the ring somewhere and throw it in the volcano. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. 100%. I know that one. <laughs> I know how yeah, to read. It's not it's not like horrifically disturbing, but the themat- thematically it is. The ending again is like pretty intense and pretty gory, but it's more just like it's a thematically very intense film. Cool. So, yeah. So, cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, thanks. Um, follow us at. Oh yeah, you that's right. Plus. Follow us. <laughs> Follow us at Wona, uh, at W-O-N-A podcast. Uh, that's on uh, Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter, too. I'm at M-B McAndrews. And I'm at Daxi Bobbin. And I'm eventually going to change that, so I'm easier to find. So give us a follow. Uh, let us know if there are any other films that you'd like us to cover. And we will talk to you next week. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Bye. Bye.